Welcome to the round 14 Collingwood rant. I'm Sly. And I'm, fuck me, there's a lot of egg on my face, Spook. Spook. Yes. After you wrote off the club the season and, you know, our existence last week. Just last how'd week. How you feel about, oh yeah, that's a good point. How'd you feel about the victory? Um, uh, it annoys me because it's fucked up my tanking. Um, no, look, I, look, um, I'll be flat out blunt here. Anytime you beat Carlton is a fucking good day. Um, yeah, there was probably a little bit touch and go there whether, uh, we were going to get the job done. And I didn't feel probably as emotionally invested in the game as I would because, you know, I've, I've ulterior reasons. Um, but once it looked like we got up and, uh, we're going to win, I must say I did get uh, a little bit, uh, perky. Oh, look, I, um, I felt complete apathy for three quarters and five minutes. And then it was when it was like close in the last quarter, it was like, okay, now I have to become emotionally invested. If they'd maintained that, you know, they got to that couple goal break and if they'd maintained that throughout the whole game, I think I really would have cared. I probably would have walked off and I don't know, done some work or some shit instead. But because it was close going into that last quarter, it was like, okay, this is a contest. And as you pointed out, you play Carlton. It's always good to beat him. Mm. Mm. And it really, oh, look, that first half, you go, I mean, the game was a story of two halves. To go into cliches, that first half, we were deplorable. Skills, again, were poor. Decision-making was terrible. Um, it was I, just I, sort of a few. I do agree gone. with that, but I thought we were actually a step up. I, I think even though um, it was ugly at times, there were, there were moments where it looked like it was potentially going to click and it was sort of you know, a little bit encouraging in that area. Yeah, I think part of that, and, and, and you know, in the second half it clicked and they looked uh, fluent for probably the first time in ages. Although, again, still some stupid skill errors, some dribblers. Um, some of the players look exhausted. Uh, so thank you, sides. ASL. Oh, no, Carlton's just shit. Uh, talking about <laughs> guys like Grund Grundy, you know, now the greater media is catching on and saying, well, what's going on with Grundy? Because he's not being his dominant self and he won't factor in AAA calculations this year, I wouldn't think. No. Uh, you know, Jamie Elliott looked pretty tired. There were a few guys that just, you know, crisp in that first half was just, I don't know whose side he was on. I don't think it was on ours. Um, no, it was very fumbling. Elliott. Um, it was very poor. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's like a number of players. Chris Main, typical Chris Main game. Uh, Tom Phillips, for just when he looked like he was getting into it, he messed up. But I've, because they generated running out of defence, I mean, Quaynor added a lot of spark. Definitely. And then in that second half, Maynard and Darcy Moore just started running. And Darcy Moore, like, seemed to have a licence to just go. Whenever the ball was anywhere within 40, it was just like, that's it, I'm out of here. No, I need to go attack it. He was big. Yeah. And once they generated that run coming out of defence, I think the midfielders were able to capitalise and provide options. And then the forward line, for the first time, had some structure. And I think the structure is largely due to the returns of Cox and Stevenson. I think also, too, you've got to give some credit to Cameron because he was probably the world's greatest decoy. Uh, I don't know. Even the, even, the, even, even the cameras couldn't find him. I mean, how good was he? Uh, yeah. He was like ninjas. He was like a ninja. Yes. Well, he got one disposal, which was one handball. 
And I think it's when he got one of those little um, smoke pellets that he threw at his feet and vanished. That was that was that the disposal? Yeah, probably. I, I can't blame him because it's madness to go into a match with Cox and Cameron as your two forwards. You got yeah. two guys that are tall, and it looked like in the second half they said to Cox, "Hey." you stay closer to goal and to Cameron, just get the fuck out of here and try and provide linkages. It just wasn't working for Cameron. And I think this is the problem when you have ruck size forwards, unless they're marking it, they really look pretty pedestrian. Mm. You know, Cox is really good at, if he doesn't mark, at least providing a contest. I thought Luke Hodge made a really good uh, observation and said that with more, uh, sorry, with more, with uh, Coxie, the best thing is to put the ball out in front of him so he can run onto it and mark it. He said, if you put it on top of his head, he just doesn't have the strength uh, to compete with bigger defenders who will just no. push him under it time and time again. You know, quite, so it was good. There was quite a few times where he attacked the ball coming in and um, I don't know whether he was held, but he always seemed to be doing it with one, one arm outstretched, whether that was by design as well, potentially that um, it's, it's one hand keeping the opponent a little bit away and the other one just giving the uh, ability to sort of direct the ball somewhere. Um, I don't know where, again, whether that's by design or just it turned out that way. But, you know, he took what I don't think too many marks at the end. Um, but, you know, he still did a lot of work around the ground that made him beneficial. I mean, there was, there was a really good punch in defence at the end that um, it's amazing when you look at that and you think, geez, he does cover a fair bit of ground for a big bloke. Yeah. I was just going to say also... Uh... I don't know. It didn't really have any impact on the game. Fuck the, I've given up on umpiring. You <laughs> have people who have no understanding of the game. Yet you, you had that tackle on Cripps where he just dropped it. That was farcical. Three blokes on him, drops the ball, paddles it out. Oh, yeah, no worries, play on. There was a hold the ball against the Hoskin Elliott, against Hoskin Elliott where he was held by one arm as he was running to it. He picked it up with one arm and then couldn't dispose of it. It was like holding the ball. And they're those sort of decisions where you think... Surely the umpire should be questioning, why is he going at it with one arm? Can't you see the 100-kilogram guy standing behind him holding onto his other arm? And, you know, so it wasn't just bad against us. It was bad against Carlton. I fought that free uh, in the last quarter for Stevenson where him and I can't remember which Carlton defender it was, but they both attacked the ball and the Carlton player was pinged for um, taking his eyes from the ball, which I actually think is the stupidest fucking interpretation that they've introduced that you cannot take your eyes from the ball. It's mm. like, so you cannot look away for an instant just to get your bearings to see who else is around you. You need to keep your eyes and just move blindly into a contest. I, I think that's ridiculous. It should be just judge legitimately. Did you go for the ball or did you play for the man? And it's usually pretty fucking easy to work <laughs> out, but it's one of those blanket interpretations where the AFL has gone, let's try and make this as black and white as possible. Um, so if the eyes have gone off the ball, that's it. It's a free kick. doesn't matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've given up on fucking umpiring. The holding the ball is just a farce. Uh, the ruck contest is stupid. There's just so many rules that are mind-numbingly dumb and the AFL are not held accountable enough for how poorly this facet of the game is administrated. And you always get that fucking blanket defense of, Oh, it's a tough job to umpire. It's hard. It's like, fuck off, okay? It is not that it's hard because you have stupid rules. It shouldn't be that hard. It's hard because 
you people talking about the AFL don't know what the fuck you want with the game. So from week to week, there's different interpretations. You go hard on different things from game to game. There's an uproar about something being paid too much. You can guarantee it's not going to be paid that much in the next game. Yep. There's an uproar if there's not enough holding the balls, but suddenly there's a lot of holding the balls paid. This shows you how shapeless the umpiring is. There's no actual mandate to say, this is a standard we're going to live and die by the whole year. And this is what we're going to pay. And this is what we're going to be hot on. Because you have fuckwits like, I won't mention them, but you know you have idiots in media like James Brayshaw who say, oh, there's too many free kicks being paid. And it's like, you pay the free kicks that are there. If there's a lot there, you pay them. They're not making them up. So you can't cap that. Anyway, so that's my little rant on umpiring. Going back to the game. It's probably, I don't know, the best I've seen this play since um, maybe that Hawthorne game, which is about five, six weeks ago. But one of the problems with this season is if you look at like the Bulldogs being six goals up and losing on um, Friday, whenever it was, I don't know what day it is today. Yeah, yeah, they pretty much game turned when you declared Geelong were terrible. Uh, (laughs) You go, you saw the Saints lose. You've had a season where so many clubs have looked good and then just imploded and being out of it. So you can never really judge just how well you're going because you don't know how well your opponent is going at a given time. I mean, when we beat Hawthorne, it was like, oh, look at this, we're back. Mm. And then the next two, three weeks, Hawthorne got smashed. It was like, okay, it's probably not so much we're back, but, but that Hawthorne's pretty average Step side. Out, yeah. yeah. So I don't know about the Blues. Like you said, they also look tired. Uh, Crips, who usually monsters us, they don't, didn't really do anything. Uh, no, which is surprising. Yeah, you know, he usually kills us and he was pretty much given the free reign as far as I could see. There was no um, tagging of him. I think they made mention, I think him and Pendles are pretty much playing um, um, in tandem, I, I guess is the right word. Um, yep. They're certainly not trying to influence each other's games, just sort of playing off each other. Yeah, and then you had guys like McKay and their other talk, Casbol. Uh, there are other tools who really didn't do that much in their smalls. Um, I think Eddie kicked a couple. Uh, he looked a little bit dangerous. But but one was that stupid free against Kainor, which was like Kainor was adjudicated to have pushed him in the back. It's like, well, oh, okay, that's the rule. Ridiculous. You know, I, I'm fine if they pay that, but then just pay it the whole fucking game. And then there was <laughs> one a bit later on uh, where I think they shoved Cox in the back and it was like, okay, that's play on. It's like, well, what's the problem there? Cox didn't go to ground. And that's another problem with the fucking rules, just to digress briefly, is they're judged on the theatricality of the outcome. So, like, Cox kept his feet, so the umpire must have said, it must have been that bad a push. You know, whereas Eddie fell on the ground and must have been like, well, that's a bad push. It's like when they ping people holding the ball because they don't mimic the act of trying to get it out, even though it might be physically impossible. Um, Oaks, how good is he becoming at kicking crunch goals? I mean, how good is he becoming, period, though? He's just becoming captain reliable. You know, he, he's, well, I don't know how many, we finished up with about 21 touches or something, I think, and ran at a reasonable efficiency rate. But it's just the way that he's he's consistently dependable at the moment. Um, it's it's so encouraging to see. I mean, the amazing thing is, is, is it all the way through... Um, build up to uh, Oaks Jr. coming on. Um, Oaks Jr. is supposed to be the superior product. And um, you know, Oaks Sr. is just looking superb at the moment. See, so if uh, if they didn't rate this kid, then uh, the, other, the other one must be absolute dynamite. Well, Josh started football pretty late. Um, 
So he might be a late developer. He reminds me, I'm not saying he's going to end up as good, but he reminds me a little bit of Gary Ablett Jr. when he first started. It was just like he seemed like this pretty bland, small forward. But then he really started to, he still glimpses of brilliance, but then he really started to improve and then he just became this superstar. Uh, and he reminds me a little bit of that, Josh Dacos. The thing I love about him, and I'll get onto some of these other players later who I'm going to criticize, you know, it's unlike, I know it's unlike me to criticize players, but <laughs> just enjoy the, the win, about, Come on. No, no. Uh, if, you, if you want to win a flag, you need to improve. The thing I love about Josh Dacos is when he gets the ball, he generally tries to be creative yep. and he'll try and thread his way through packs. He won't panic. He'll often try and look for a bit of time and space. He's got like a bit of a Pendleberry nature. Which Poison balance, bad. I think, is the terms. Yeah. But he also seems to have that you know, bullet time where things seem to slow down around him. And Peter Dacos had that in spades. So he doesn't just rush off a handball like, say, someone like Chris Main. <laughs> Um, there's a couple of players and Maine's the worst defender is he'll get the ball and doesn't matter it'll be like here to a teammate even if that teammate's in the worst position even if the team like there was a handball Maine did today I can't remember who did it too but his teammate was sort of cantering backwards and Maine gave him the handball and it's like what do you expect him to do sprint off backwards you know however fast he can run backwards it was just a really dumb handball and those sort of players I think we need upgrades on and to um to look at like someone in a different light jack magden i mean didn't have a brilliant game he did some really nice things though magden surprises me that when he gets the ball he genuinely doesn't panic it's like okay let me have a look around at what i can do sometimes he takes the game on there was a little there's a nice bit of uh, play in defense today where it was really congested and you would have been forgiven for just trying to get rid of it and try and move it on. But instead, he actually broke back and then went across the ground to Josh Dagos, who was in space. So he showed a little bit of composure, which, you know, for someone... I mean, the thing with Magden, was he played about 10, 15 games? Mm. So I thought that was really encouraging. I said this to you during the game because we watched it together at a pub. Um, <laughs> well, why, I, I fucking wish. Why, that, that's the like, I'm weird. Um, why someone like Matthew Scharenberg can't get a look in ahead of Chris Mayne and Tom Phillips, I don't know. And, you know, I know we talked about it last week. They probably run the line through his name. Chris Mayne, I'm sorry, you know, great defensively, but he offers absolutely nothing offensively. Any handball to him is just like really uh, a stat build for yourself because you're pretty sure you're going to get the ball back or it's going to go to someone who's not ready for it. Uh, I think you, you, you saw it today where, where he threw himself into that contest and, and copped the, the crack from Cripps and went out. And I think his word is that he's, it's a fracture at this early stage. Um, so that probably may see him done for the rest of this home and away season. Um, that's the sort of stuff I think where he gets his, his credits from. Like certainly, oh. um, I don't know whether you saw Twitter after the fact, but pretty much every player on the list is just, you know, pretty much express their love for him. He's obviously got something going from a team perspective that's that's quite um oh, look, unrepeatable. We, we, we've said this we've said this. It's it's um defensively mm. he's fantastic. Mm. But offensively, you know and said it before, I don't expect every player to just go all the time. Sometimes you do need to lay off or take the safe option or whatever, but he pretty much lays off 
every single time. Yeah. And you compare that to someone like John Noble, who's a young player, you know, second year in the game. He'll try and take the game on. Oh, Sometimes, you know, he might mess up, but he, he tries to go the game. Quainor, very similar thing. Yep, yep. You know, and you need these. And, like, I'll even give Josh Thomas credit in this regard that when he gets the ball, he does try and be creative at times. Uh, but that's what you want. You want guys who, when it's their time to go, they will go. Maine did it in the 2018 finals, but then he's just gone back to his little safe, dependable oh, it's, it's you know, layoffs. The, the end for him is closer than, than ever. I, I don't know whether he'll go on next year. You wouldn't think he would. How old is he? 30, 31? I'll have a look. Well, talk. Well, should, we, should we hum the Brisbane theme song this week? It seemed to work last week. What is this? Uh, I don't know. What is we're, this? Uh, we're a soulless franchise. We don't have much of interest to anyone except people that support us or something. I've so, no Maine's 31 and you'll be 32 in November. Yeah, so you'd think maybe one year. I mean, look, the thing is for balance, you can't cut every old year. There has to be some that are retained um, because we're. I still think that we're a we're better off being a developing young side than, than fooling ourselves into thinking we're a chance. Um, but you know, I don't know. Another year, maybe. I, don't know. I wish he was more like Greenwood. Greenwood, you know, he has that defensive side, but offensively he'll go for it. And at times you need players just, I mean, Taylor Adams is great at this. He'll get the ball and he'll go, well, I could just do a shitty little handball off. Or I could try and run through a couple of players and break lines and open their zones and create opportunity. And in that third quarter, when we turned it around, he was one of the prime movers yep. where he simply just started to create anarchy amongst Carlton's ranks and created some fluency in what we were doing. So I, the, the, my biggest problem with this win, and yeah, I do enjoy beating Carlton, and we're now even with them on wins and losses. Which First taken, time I think they, since 82 or something, I think, I believe. Was it 82? I thought it would have been a little bit later. But anyway, yeah, since the 80s. So, you know, that's almost 40 years they've been in charge in front of the ledger. The one thing is what I said a few weeks ago is, you know, okay, it was a good win, but what's this mean? Is, is this the form that's going to be here next week? That's the in, thing. Uh, yeah, look, and, and this is where we can be um, duped into being uh, fooled by the papering over the, the proverbial crack. Um, you want to see this a little bit more consistently. One one summer or swallows or whatever the friggin' phrase is, is um, it's it's not enough. To get no, and they've done this, yeah. And they've done this before. They did this last year. You know, they thought, okay, they're starting to rediscover a bit of touch. And then it was just like, okay, it's... It was they, they had touch because they were playing shit. Uh, sorry, they were playing against someone who was shit. It wasn't because they were particularly great or anything. Uh, something else you pointed out during the game, uh, during happy hour at the pub, is what is the story with opposition clubs' accuracy against us? So it's seriously, yeah, from my simple little perspective, it's surely just that lack of pressure in the first half. Yeah, I mean, I was 7-2, and we were 5-6. So if we kicked accurately, it would have been pretty even. And typically, we're inaccurate. And, and I know you really love this, because you got up and clapped when Jaden Stevenson took that mark and decided, I'm only 20 out, pretty much straight out in front. I'll just snap it. I'll lazily snap the ball through. 
You know, thankfully you didn't do it again post that, but there's no excuse for doing that in the first instance. You know, as I said to you, and it's an extreme ridiculous example, but fuck, they don't kick around the body like that when they're passing the ball to get up to the forward line. Why the fuck do you make that decision? And it just... Look, I know it. I understand it's meant to take the the thought process out of it, but it's 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 looking stupid now. And and Steph's not a bad kick; he's pretty straight. Um, I wish he'd kick a bit longer at times, but um, uh, but that should have been a gimme that one. And it's just annoying when they do that. It just feels like you've done all that work to get it up there, and then you fart ass around with that kick, and you and you just disappoint everyone. Parents in the crowd yeah. were disappointed. My cat was disappointed if I had one. Everyone was disappointed at that stage. There was a collective sigh around the globe um, because of that fucking kick. And you go back, um, I can't remember who we played. I think it was, oh, actually it was against Geelong, where Huskin Elliott took a really good mark up forward. Yeah. And then he did exactly the same thing. He just lazily snapped. I know the goey, that's often his go-to kick reel, just sort of snap it while the umpire is lining up the mark and all that sort of shit. And I can understand the logic behind it if you're on the boundary and on a tight angle and all that yep. sort of stuff. But geez, when you're straight in front, I don't know what the fucking point of it is. It's just stupid. And you think that the drop punt has been around for a hundred years and has served players so well that they stopped kicking torps. They stopped kicking flat punts. They went to the drop punts as the most reliable kick. They stopped kicking drop kicks. Maybe they should go back to the place kick. kick. Well, they, all these were pretty common. You know, you go back 50 years, the torp and the flat punt and the drop kick, they're all common. And now they're all gone. The drop punt remains and the drop punt remains because it's the most reliable kick. Yep. So why have you decided to invent the snap to um, to go for a shot, which is just basically a straight in front? I mean, if we're going to blame somebody, I'm going to blame Nathan Buckley who started this shit, but he started playing gay- when we used to play those international rules, those Gaelic hybrid games. And he did it because the AFL players, Australian rules players, are finding it a lot harder to control the drop of a round ball. Oh. Um, so he was doing these snaps and he was kicking was brilliant. And then I know Steve Johnson's from Geelong gets the credit for starting the snap, but I actually think Paul Meadows is doing it a, a year or season earlier. Uh, but it's really caught on now. And I don't know, geez, if I was running the club, like as I should be, I would have some internal team punishment for anyone who decides to go for a snap and then misses like i'd be okay i'm fine if you do it but then you better fucking nail it you're taking the responsibility on yourself to not go back and line it up so if you mess it up we're gonna impose you know i don't know just something fair like instant you know, a twenty-five thousand dollar fine yeah yeah uh, just to list them on the spot just get you right you locker room gear back in the bag with the thongs on piss off yeah, you I, know, don't think that's, I don't think that's particularly harsh, do you? Oh, well, I want players who are cop for staging to be publicly flogged, so I don't think. No, I'd hang them in a gibbet no, but... outside the grounds as a warning to others. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, any other thoughts about this game? I mean, we had like a... Let me ask about Jane Stevenson, because I know there's a lot of um, angst about his non-selection for two weeks. Do you feel... That was wrong. I mean, I, I just, people will say to me, hey, well, look, you know, he's better than having Josh Thomas up there and today proves it and all that sort of stuff. Do you think we, or well, not me and you, but Buckley and co were wrong for um, dropping him for two weeks? Or two um, I think so. Like I said, I, I, I think we've covered this nearly every week, but pretty much there's obviously some underlying 
issues there with the glandular or whatever. Now, if that's the case, I don't see an issue with them being transparent about that and just say that, look, you know, I think everyone would be understanding if you're recovering from illness and you're going to be in and out of the side just to, to get some touch, then do it. But you know, when he comes back um, and look, even the week before he was, or the week he was dropped, you know, he still got involved in a couple of goals. He wasn't great, but this is what he can do. And that sort of thing, when your your side is not particularly scoring well, is it's far better to have someone like that there who's going to, you know, pop up and grab a couple of goals, probably with very little effort, is better than someone who just doesn't do it at all. Yeah, I mean, I think I said before, I don't care that if they drop, if it's not anyone's not playing well, they should drop and make them earn their spot back. The problem is you get players in there who you think should be dropped like Tom Phillips and Josh Thomas who are surviving. So I don't know what the standards are for everyone. Oh, I mean, well, I, I think they like, I think Thomas today just earned himself a three year contract extension on that one. Performance. Yeah. But just looking at it, you know, Stevenson was pretty good today, but I'm thinking, you know, is he responding to the fact he was dropped? Um, the first week he was dropped, he actually missed the scratch match. So I can see that they probably thought, well, we wanted to get a bit of a run before we bring him straight, before we bring mm-hmm. him back in. So that, like I said, it's more of the equality of that treatment throughout the list rather than, um, you know, yeah. him specifically being punished. There's players they obviously wrote. I mean, Claymore came back straight back in. <laughs> I, did he play last week in the scratch match? I, yeah, it's probably COVID. I don't know if he played the scratch match last <laughs> yeah, week. He, he, just, no, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to go and be tested. Oh, I'm clear. All right, let's move on. Um, well... You know, if you're going to be tested, you should probably go out to a shopping plaza and just mingle with the, you know, with everyone else before you get results back. That seems to be the way to do things here in Victoria. Um, yeah, I was just who was on about. I got no idea. I don't listen to myself a lot of times. I think you finished. I do want to talk about um, um, Grundy for a minute though. Um, they had Grundy, I think, probably ruck predominantly. The entire game solo. I don't think that when you've got oh. two, other, you've got two other ruckmen there in, in Coxie and, and Cameron, and, and then Cameron's not getting his fucking hand on the ball. Surely you would have rotated him through the ruck just to give Grundy a bit of a rest. I'm surprised that they persisted with him as much as they did, considering that Carlton rotating uh, De Koenig and who's the other suck that they've got? Pick. Pick a net or whatever pick, his name pick, is. Pick a, pick a lily. Pick a, yeah. I mean, I mean no, surely, yeah. and that was by design, obviously, to sort of exploit his um, aerobic capacity and then try and sort of batter him a little bit. Um, you know, it was an interesting tactic, I guess, but, you know, why, why wouldn't we account it with something similar? It just doesn't make sense. You know, at least rest him in the forward line and stuff. It, the fact that we haven't rested him the entire year is bewildering because at this point, clearly they're not going to do it now. So what are they trying to do with him? Run him into the ground? Is it when you when you when you get a million bucks a year that means you just sort of forgo any sort of uh, rights? You just have to be uh, something to put. Well, I think that. explain I it think, to me. Um, I'm a simple man. I know that. Yeah, I got no idea why they didn't rotate him today. Why they haven't rested him? I, I mean, one of the problems is they've gone into um, games with uh, you know Cox hasn't been there. He's usually the relief and they've just run him into the ground. I mean, you know, they're not running a danger of running him into the ground. They've done it. His form has massively dropped mm. off. He's obviously struggling. At times he looks really, really, you know, stuffed. So I don't understand what their logic is. I think I said this last week, you know, if they're leaving it up to him to make the determination, every player is going to say, yeah, I think I can play. I'm fine. Of course they will. 
So it really is just bewildering why they haven't rested him. No, so, I don't get it. But anyway, we'll see you next week. He'll play again. Uh, any for, any further thoughts on this game? I mean, it, it really comes down to, hey, is this the form that's going to be there for the rest of the year? Or uh, There was some semblance of positives, I think, out of today, which is the one thing you got to take. And I probably... Carlton's not a, a shit side, like some of the ones that we've um, struggled against the last couple of weeks. I think, you know, whether it's that whole... Um, um, what's what's the term for where uh, rivalry? Rivalry, that's a word. It's a simple word. I've only heard it a million times this week. Um, whether that factored into it and they lifted a little bit for that. Um, I mean, to be honest, going to this game, I thought we wouldn't win. Uh, I made the statement last week. I thought we'd won our last game for the season, but uh, clearly I'm a, a, an idiot. Um, so it's... Um, it's hard, again, like what you said before, it's, it's hard to know what to read into this, whether it was just a one-off lift or whether there's elements there that, that looks like it may be potentially clicking. Like, I, I know you were bagging, the, bagging him mercilessly before, but I thought Elliot's game today was, was superb in the guts. You know, it, the one thing that I love about him is, is more often than not, when he delivers the ball inside 50, he's delivering it low and hard. I think they're just some of the players just got to learn to try and lead into that space that he's kicking into instead of... Um, sort of hanging back a little bit and wrestling, but he could be a weapon. Um, and I'm just absolutely stunned that, that, that with all the injuries he's been through, that he's just showing so much pace at his age. And, and it, it's, I, I find him really quite exciting to watch in the guts, um, which is good. You know, it's where he probably should have been um, a couple of years ago of injury, hadn't sort of crawled some of his uh, advancement in that respect. And he was doing well as a forward, admittedly, but you know, I think the fact that he's lost his, his leap and, um, spring and that was his main weapons up forward for getting the ball, especially without haphazard bombing. That I'm really encouraged by what I see about him at the moment. Yeah, he fills a lack of pace that they have in the middle. I mean, the mids they have between Pendles and Adams and you know these sort of guys. None of them are exceptionally quick. Uh, Callum Brown, he's got a little bit of pace. He's a strange one. He seems to have gone sideways from a couple of years ago. Uh, but his brother Tyler is a lot more encouraging, I think. Oh, seems to show yeah. a bit more poise. Definitely. I, you get a bit of weight on Tyler, and he's almost potentially Bont-like with, with the way that he shows his ability at this stage. Now, Bont was obviously virtually unpacked and ready-made um, as a freak, but there's a lot to like about Tyler. Though on Callum, though, to be fair to him... Um, like he was traveling, I think it's something around about 90% disposal efficiency today and was involved in about one goal assist and, and three, I can't remember what the stat is, they call it three almost goal assists or something like that. He wasn't terrible, but he just wasn't terrific either. He only had 11, 11 disposals. So, though, yeah, so yeah. You know, and that's the question we've had with him, you know, since he first showed up. It's his average games, it's just two low possessions. Yeah, so well that, he needs to round that up. He's not burning it when he gets it. He just doesn't get it often enough. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's another guy I've always said he, he tries to make the play, so that's great. Uh, I don't know what his ceiling is because he just... I don't know if he, if it's his size or what, but... It's a lot to do with his size. Well, he's not going to get much bigger than that. You know, he might no. get a bit more muscly, but, no. but he's not going to get taller than that, you'd think. Um, his, his brother's a lot better size in terms of height and once no. he puts on that 
You've, just, you've got to keep playing him as well. I mean, he's not going to do anything in the scratchies. Just get him, get him and, and stick him in the seniors and let him develop there. Yeah, I think the other thing too is um, they really... Right, look, I, we don't know anything about internals of the club. We don't know what's happening. Uh-huh. Well, we don't know anything about anything. Um, but we don't know... Murphy's someone they highly rated and he's just sort of fallen off the radar. And then you get... Um, Charenberg also, another guy who's just fallen off the radar. It's worrying because you'd hope that these guys are going to be long-term fixtures at the club and they're going, to re- they're going to replace, you know, some of the elder statesmen as they fade out. But Charenberg, as we've mentioned, and Murphy, they just can't get a look in. So I don't know no. what's going on. And, and, it, and this is the season where you think if you're going to get a look in, you get a look in because they're rotating the crap out of everyone. Exactly right. So, what exactly is happening there is a little bit concerning because the age profile list, which we've talked about, you get you get some old players who are just going to disappear and the young guys aren't really coming up to replace them. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts about this game? No, as I said, great to win the Blues. Um, it's great to win the Blues. Um, great to, the, to stick it up the Blues. Suck shit. What an absolute okay, let me ask. freak of a club they are. Love you, Blues. Um, let me ask you something. When you watch that game, when you sit down, I mean, you watch it with your wife, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Do, do, you, do you wear your Collingwood caps? For the, you know, do you get your season caps out? I, I'm completely nude when I watch football. It's a little bit worrying. Uh, sorry, what was the question again? I just went do off into wear... fantasy mode just thinking about myself naked. Okay. Um, do you wear your Collingwood caps? No. Why not? I don't wear anything um, football related. Yeah, we've already done... Oh, oh, so I thought it was because the club wouldn't send out your cap because oh, I, that's a oh. segue that I completely uh, avoided at all costs. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Is there somewhere you want to go with this? Do you want to yell at them? No, I just found that. I mean, I haven't collected a cap for years, but you know, obviously, you collect your cap at the game. But now the club's saying they haven't budgeted, budgeted, budgeted for postage so if you want your cap you've got to pay the postage for it uh you but know they're, doing, they're not charging for postage were they they just were whinging about the fact that they had to uh, pay the postage I, I thought they were charging for it no i, thought I they don't know just, they were just whinging oh well because i mean i must say my wife's a legends member and um i think she's what it what was it cost to be a legends member these days that's probably close about to 28 grand grand a year and she's seen when you, nothing. When you, Colin's nothing. got one of your children, haven't they? She's seen uh, like the, <laughs> she's seen nothing for that, and uh, and she was and she's pretty um, she's pretty um, pretty much a happy person most of the time, um, assuming on on how I've been. But um, she was pretty pissed with the um, the way that it come across in the email about uh, you know fucking she's she's forked out a grand for the year and the club's getting pissy about you know we'd rather you not ask for one because we don't want to pay the six bucks for postage i think it was a little bit of a slap but then again i think we say it nearly every week if there's one club that fails to read the room every fucking time they open their mouth it's collingwood yeah well you know you go back uh, i don't know it was about 10 years or something where they started charging for the cap and they said they'd done the survey and members had said, yeah, they'd rather pay for the cap. And it's like, really? Get something for free or pay for it? And members are telling you. And I remember the chief at the time, um, former Collingwood Ranter, he was heavily into 
merchandising as a business uh and just go look these caps cost them like about a dollar to make so but they're charging you for it it's just ridiculous yeah no i agree um so what what about next week yeah what about it we're playing brisbane we don't know the club song uh, Main, you think, would go out and Greenwood, who was managed for the week, oh, he'll, he'll come, come back, back in, which is not a bad thing. Um, look, uh, there's, there's, Brisbane are coming off, I think, a 14-day break because they've got the bye this week. Um, you know, the one thing, and it's going to be a big ask, um, but if this club wants to play finals this year, and um, they're going to have to practically win everything from here on in, maybe drop one, but you still need to win the other couple to stay in the eight. I mean, you, you've seen the log jam that's behind um, the eight at the moment. We were only half a game clear of, of a couple of sides, but now obviously we're a game and a half, but um, it's going to be a big ask. But the one thing I think that may work in your favor is, is there has been a couple of occurrences this year where sides have come back from the buy. They've been flat as um, the one live wire that they've gotten in, well, the super live wire and Charlie Cameron, He's pretty much done his hamstring every game for the last six weeks. Eventually, at some point, it has to go snap. So it could be two things that could go for us there, that he um, he tears his hamstring running through the banner and they're as flat as because they've had too many uh, days off. But they're not really things that you want to hang your hat on. Yeah. Um, well, Brisbane's an interesting one. They've sort of really come up. They've looked... Not that I've watched them, but they've, you know look like a possible grand finalist or contender it really help us gauge where we are no i think so. that's, that, I think. that's a really good point yeah uh the only careers i mean last year we smashed them so i don't know if we just happened to match up well but you know i don't have any confidence that we're going to maintain the form uh if we were playing a better side today i think that first half we would have just been knocked out of it and by the time we got back into it, you know, yeah. it probably would have been too late. It would have been on those games where we probably would have been four or five goals down and might have brought down the deficit to two goals and never really got them past that. No. And you think probably realistically, and we, we love to be realistic, the last six weeks we've been very, very ordinary. Um, the first half this week we were, it was a little bit better, but we were still pretty ordinary. I mean, it was looking like, you know, a couple of goals and Carlton probably would have won away with this game. And I don't know whether we would have had the same fight in us if we actually fell behind. The fact that we sort of kept being thereabouts was enough to sort of keep us in it. And then maybe, I don't know, whether they got sparked in the end where Maine went down because we, we there was only a kick in it at that point or something, was there? Yeah. But you know, maybe that lifted them for all the right uh, reasons. Um, I mean, it could have gone the other way because often too, when your momentum is slugged with a stop to the game, that you know everyone regroups and we come out and we, we looked... Um, we could look ordinary, but we, we didn't. Um, look, you, you know, it's that whole adage too about, you know, you generally take into next week what you finish with in the games too. So that's another positive. Um, other than that, I'm really struggling with positives. Yeah, it's a litmus test, I think, next week, no matter what. Look, the guy, I think, you know, who really led us today was, I mean, Tim LeBrie was really good. But Taylor Adams, you know, in the last... Yeah, even though you know, even though we haven't won every game, he's really tried his guts out. And there was something really good last week, which I forgot to mention. After Cox got a goal, Adams called all the players, you know, in to congratulate Cox. So I thought that was really great leadership to 
Yeah, I think it makes it, feel, you know, like, hey, you're back. And, you know, we're all really happy for you. And I thought that was great team camaraderie, uh, which, no offence to Penelope, I don't, don't often see him do that sort of stuff. You no. know, he just seems very... Um, and I think Adams is pretty much... He spends a lot of time auditioning for the, uh, the captaincy and I think he'll get it. Yeah, well, I... Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this. I think they should be moving on to that now uh, rather than later. But I guess, you know, I'll just wait until the Pendlebury retires. So who do you think will win next week? I gave my conditions before, which would make it a win for us, being that they're flat or um, something untowards happens. Um, It's annoying, even though... Well, it's not even though. That's pretty harsh. Uh, even though it was mine, I was going to say, um, we still had to have this win at the price of a, of a of an injury. It's just like it has to be that way. The ledger has to be squared in some respect. Um, if we are going to have a crack at finals, and last week I didn't think we were anywhere near that based on our form, but this week again, look, you know, we won. We won well in the end. Um, I don't know whether that's going to make any difference next week. Um, I probably still think that Brisbane will win and probably will win comfortably. Um, But I wouldn't... Look, as long as we go down swinging, um, I'd be happy with that. I still think... um, I don't think this side... If if, if we were playing West Coast or um, Port or or even Geelong in their current form, or Richmond, um, that we, we would have been anywhere near them today. And if that's the case, they're the ones you're likely to face in the year. Yeah. There's, there's still, in my mind, there's not a lot of sense in actually progressing if you can't win it. Um, but, you know, look to their credit. Then they've got to go out there and, and roll over just because I think they should. Um, but next week, I think they'll it'll be a good test. You know, there are, there are elements of this side that, that, that is quite good and encouraging. And I've, I've said there's a, there's a spine there of youth that are, um, um, are the things that we should be focusing on and building around to move forward. Um, if they can get competitive next week, um, it's possible. But I, I'm probably, like this week, um, I wasn't expecting to win and I'm probably not expecting to win next week. So Collingwood by 28 points. Uh, let me ask you a question. Selfish or not, still side bottom having sex in January so his wife has a baby around finals. Yeah, I think that's pretty selfish. What was he thinking? Yeah, you know, I, know. He, I mean, he could have just gone. Maybe he's like, he could have just gone off and had an uncle Doug, like the rest of us. Oh well, you know, you look at even if COVID wasn't around, he's still gonna have the birth of his first child, you know, around time of finals. And you know, you have children, you know how disruptive they are when they're young. And that would have really... Not just when they're young. Okay, yeah. And that would have really affected his finals preparation. So, you know, all players, come on, hey, hey, you know, just lay off around January, February. Just think about the club. You know, it's hard enough winning grand finals without adding more pressures. So, you know, we've already got Trelaw and um, Dugowie and Howe out. And now we've lost side bottom for, I don't know, possibly until the finals if we make it. Why do you make you think so hard for ourselves? You, um, my uh, second and third kids were uh, induced. It's not that difficult. Just to have a jab and have it popped out. Come on. Well, to, look, you know, just sort why of. Does he have to, why does he have to be there anyway? He's done his work. Oh, so what's he doing? Just <laughs> come on. How was the 15th century, by the way? 
And to anyone listening, thinking we're serious or not. So, you oh, know. No, you're, uh, you're, you're on your own here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think Brisbane will beat us. Um, I think, who's their coach? Uh, Fagan. Fagan. I like pick a, pick a pocket or two, Fagan. Yeah, I think... Um, he Maybe that's really what Sidey should have been doing. He should have been Fagan and orgasm. <laughs> um, it's like Frank Dribben. Fakes every <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he'll really set them. I don't think, as promising as our form was, I think still, even if Carlton, you know, were like, hey, they're not terrible anymore, they're still just an up-and-coming side. Yep, agree. So... You know, we beat a side that was probably eighth, ninth, tenths, which is where they are. So um, we're meant to be a contender, so we should be smashing someone like Carlton. It was promising that we actually won by a decent margin in the end, but but it was unconvincing for about three quarters. So I think Brisbane will beat us. Oh, that's good. That's another cheery rant then. Yep. Anyway, that's it from us. And Um, And it's also it from us. Yep. Like, subscribe, that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know what and you Yeah. And you'll hear from us next week. Yeah, and later. We'll either be right or we'll be wrong. Well, you tipped into win, I tipped into lose, so we'll be right. Oh, yeah. We're a perfect combination. The show will be right. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Well, we won't see you, but we, you'll hear from us. Later. Catch. <laughs>